We've spoken about the fact that we want to serve Jesus in our own corner of the world, if he calls us to plant, if he calls us to be part of planting, um, there's a team that needs to plant, not just the person that, quote, will lead the team. There's room for all of us to be involved in planting. The reason God wants churches everywhere is to capture people and to let them come, their broken hearts, to be made whole. This lady... Her name is Vanessa. I call her Vanessa the Brave. Check your WhatsApps. <laughs> she, to me, has a great testimony of a heart for people's hearts. She has a soft heart to those who are hurting. She's so sensitive to see them exactly where they are. She's going to speak on uh, having a heart or healing the brokenhearted. And when we when she concludes, then we'll spend some time praying uh, in response to her ministry, but then also in response to God calling us to go as we're scattered and preach the gospel. Thanks, Vanessa. Hello, everyone. I have to start off by saying I am so, we are so proud of our church. La Cité, well done. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Uh, thank you for opening up your hearts and your time and everything to welcome Europe and the nations. Um, I want to also just say to Eddie, where's Eddie? Is he gone? Eddie, you are such a gift of faith. To the church. I feel like there's such a fight for faith at this time. It's like Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on earth? And Izzy, as Eddie, Izzy's my son, Eddie, as you were preaching, I just felt faith rise up. And we need more Eddies who can laugh in the face of the enemy and talk about this Jesus who heals and who does miracles. So the title of my message, I only have 20 minutes, is He Heals the Broken Hearted. That is what His Word says. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. And I have such faith I felt God lead me to prepare this message because I believe that is one of the things he is really wanting to do at this time. And when I prepared and then I saw the other guy's message, the courage of Christ and all these amazing, strong, I was like, God, I can't preach that. It's a bit of a girl message, no? <laughs> but I think my reflection is such a, Son of society and times and this, 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 ret this restriction we feel to share our emotions and talk about our hearts. Emotional health, mental illness, burnout, depression, COVID, long COVID, war. Society has never been more broken 
and more unhappy. We can have the best strategies for reaching the lost, for church planting, for raising leaders, for all these things. But if our hearts are hanging on to emotional tumors, to unforgiveness, to disappointment, to angry with God, everything we do is going to be impacted by our festering wounds. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else. Does it say that somewhere else in the Bible? Above all else, church. Guard your heart. Why? Because everything, everything you do flows from it. Mark preached earlier about our, um, how we can have really good intentions and have good hearts, but the truth is, actually, our actions often betray what is truly the state of our hearts. It's time. The nations are crying out for truth, and his name is Jesus. They are desperate to hear of a savior, of hope that is everlasting. It is time to throw off, to throw off and leave behind everything that hinders us. I believe there's an urgency to the hour. It's a season of repositioning physically, but I also believe it's a season of repositioning that God right now is wanting to reposition our hearts. He wants to heal our hearts that have been broken, that have been reset with faulty foundations to remove the tumors Jesus said in Matthew 23, 25, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. You go about trying to look all good on the outside, wearing the right clothes and the right shoes. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, First clean the inside of the plate, and then the outside will also be clean. Psalm 147 verse 15 says, He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Verse 18, he sends out his word and melts them. He makes wind blow and the waters flow. And there's been such a prophetic flow since we got together as a team yesterday evening to pray about the word of the Lord going forth. The word of the Lord thunders. His word is powerful. It is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword to cut away that which has come against our wholeness, to come and 
take away and cut away the hardness of heart that might be encasing us so that his rivers of life can freely flow. We're going to quickly look at an example of what I see as an emotionally healthy person in Scripture in the shadow of a very unhealthy one. Jonathan in the Old Testament. Haven't heard many preachers on him, but I was reading 1 Samuel recently and I was struck by his incredible character and seemingly really well-settled heart that he displayed. In 1 Samuel 23, David is running for his life from a crazy King Saul who is so jealous, so insanely jealous that he just has to kill David. Saul, I think we would all agree, is an example of an unhealthy person, if ever there was one. You may have heard it said, hurt people, hurt people. Reading about Saul can be a wonderful mirror for us. And no condemnation there. I feel convicted every time I read the Bible all the time. Um, Whatever I read. But yeah, it's good. Like David said, God, come and search my heart. Jonathan, however, in many ways we could say he could have been the rightful heir to the throne after his father. But he says to David... Who's trying, who his father's trying to kill in verse 17. Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Not, I'll come maybe next after you and I'll rule, but no, I'll be next to you, alongside you, supporting you, protecting you. How was he able To support David like that, to relinquish his right to the throne, was he weak? Was he just not a good leader, not very strong? No, he was incredibly courageous. Even before David had ever seen Goliath, Jonathan and his armor bearer, just the two of them, took on the Philistine army. Jonathan clearly feared God more than he feared or desired the approval and admiration of the crowds, more than he wanted the power of control in ruling a nation. His goal, I believe, was just to run in his lane, to run the race that was marked out for him, His heart was settled to trust God no matter what. How are you and I doing on this? Are we able to trust God no matter what? As is obvious from Scripture, our brokenness does not stop God from using us. He still called Saul and chose him to be king. And clearly, Saul had issues right in the beginning. When Samuel was announcing who the new king was, 
to Israel, the king that they'd asked for, where was Saul? He was hiding in the baggage. Clearly there was some stuff in his heart that he needed to sort out already. If we are not careful to take time to allow God to come and search our hearts, to stop pushing down the pain that we've accumulated on the way, but to take time with our Savior to come and heal us, we risk losing our inheritance. That's what happened to Saul. We risk falling into fear of man and wooing the crowds. And at best, we reduce our effectiveness for reaching the people around us. So I just have two points to help position our hearts for healing. And the first one is true submission to his word. Has anyone ever broken a bone? I haven't, but two of my sons have. And the youngest, he was about six years old and he broke his elbow, he had to have screws and everything. And it was just before the summer holidays. So he had to have this cast and we love to go to the south, we love to swim, and it was a huge inconvenience. It was hot. We had to put some type of swimming cap thing, stretch it out over his arms so that he could also go into the water. This cast was really not convenient. The root word for bind up in scripture used in Isaiah 61 and other places for bind up the brokenhearted. It means to tie, to bind on, saddle, restrain, and govern. There is a tight strapping required, a setting in a position that cannot be moved, a governing of his word over our thoughts, and so that our minds can be renewed, a submission to his word. When we, like Eddie shared, when we have believed lies about our situation, about people, about God, about who he is, his ways, our hearts are hindered from being able to heal fully. It's time to let go of those thoughts and those lies that we know do not line up with his word. If we don't do that, we are gonna restrict the healing power of his word in our lives. My second point is this, to position us for healing. Is it not necessary that we should suffer? Since Easter, I've been a bit haunted in a good way about the story of the road to Emmaus. In Luke 24, a quick reminder, in case you've forgotten, I'm sure you haven't, but I love the details in scripture, every single bit of it is so useful for us. So Jesus tells the story of two disciples. It could have been you 
and me making their journey to a place called Emmaus. And it was the Sunday after Jesus had been crucified on the Friday. So they're talking amongst themselves, and they've heard this news that some disciples went to the tomb, but Jesus' body wasn't there. Instead, they met angels, and the angels said that Jesus has been resurrected. How did they respond? Luke 24, 11. It says, these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. It could have been you and me, if we're honest with each other. Are we really expecting the resurrected Jesus to break into our lives and to bring healing? So Jesus draws near to them, but they don't recognize him. They had been in his presence, heard his teachings, but didn't recognize him. Then in typical Jesus fashion, he asks them a question that he knows the answer to. Verse 17, he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, and with absolute disdain, are you the only one, the only visitor to Jerusalem? Clearly you're not from here. Otherwise you would know what's going on. Who does not know the things that have happened in these days? I just love this. I love, it's so obvious, his love and admiration for Jesus. But now, his hopes, he's in shock and unbelief. Verse 19, Jesus said, what things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Things did not at all turn out the way they had hoped. They thought that he was the one, finally, that would change their situation, that would deliver them. But he died, and their hopes had died with him. Maybe you feel the same. Maybe something just did not turn out the way you expected. I believe it's a time that Jesus is wanting to bring healing for these things that we just don't understand. Verse 25, Jesus says to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in the scripture, all the things concerning himself. Now, I do not have all the answers. I don't claim to know everything about this very complicated topic and a hard topic of suffering. But as we can see in this ultimate example of suffering, very often it is the very process God uses to bring about breakthrough in our lives and the lives of those around us. Throughout scripture, we see God's chosen leaders go through seasons and years of suffering, and then they get to a position and they bring liberation for people groups. When it's God, it is always about more than us. And whether it's from God or not, the cost of truth to hold our hearts in place so that they can heal is that he turns all things, all things to the good of those who love him. He is good and he's not going to let us down. Even after this explanation, they still don't realize that it's Jesus. The resurrected Jesus walking with them. It could have been you and me. So blinded by disappointment at the way things turned out that we can't even see Jesus standing right in front of us. Hearts burning, but blinded. I don't want to miss Jesus. Isn't he the reason? Isn't this all about him? It is time to let go. To let go. To bring our hurts and our disappointments at his feet. To bring the lies and the things we're battling with at his feet, to allow the truth of his word to be elevated above our opinions so that we can heal. Fred and I enjoy watching sometimes a series called The Good Doctor. I don't know if you, any of you watch it, but Sean is the main character in this series. And he's autistic. And I think that's why we love this series so much. Because it just shows something of God's kingdom. <laughs> that somebody who's rejected and suffered in society can achieve success. And at the end of a season, as the end of seasons go, everything is happening. And Sean says in his very unemotional way, that everybody needs to move on and move forward. He heals. 
the broken hearted. Malachi 4 verse 2 says, but for you, for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the storm. For those who are willing to submit to his word into our Savior.